Do you know what you don't know? Right? It seems like kind of a silly, stupid question. But the question hidden inside that question, this is why I love it so much, it's not about whether or not you know the things you don't know. The real question asked you is this, do you want to know what you don't know? Do you want to know? There is an entire universe of experience and knowledge that's out there, but the question is, do you want to know about it, right? Pastor Zach had his, uh, oh my gosh, it just skipped my head. What's it called? The Rubik's Cube. And he could teach you how to do that in under a minute. I'm not signing up. It doesn't sound like you guys are either. He's, again, there's a world, but the question is, do you want to know? Do you care about it, right? Do you want to know? So the question this morning is this. We have like four of them. You guys know I love questions. What do you know for sure about yourself? It's kind of like that kind of sink in. What do you know for sure about yourself? I'm not talking about uh, your occupation or your favorite ice cream flavor, right? What do you know for sure about yourself? Who are you really? I'm not talking about the conversation that we would have uh, if we met in an airport. I'm talking about the conversation that we would have if we were stuck in a room for three days together with no one else to talk to you. What would come out in three days? What do you know for sure about yourself? And of course, the question that goes with that one. How much do you want to know about yourself? How much do you really want to know? Now, space... Who likes space? NASA? Moon landing? Did we actually land on the moon? Anybody? I knew, Donnie. I knew it. He goes, meh. It's a good video. Very good video. All right? We still have this hunger to learn, right? To know. And so, uh, as of right now, there is a mission that's being planned. It's supposed to take place in the next 10 years. A mission to what? Mars. Right? A mission to Mars. The idea is that we're going to begin to, to plant settlements in Mars. Who's going to be the first Mars pastor? Jude Emanuel Walker. No, I'm sorry. No, it won't be. Actually, it would be Liam. Jude wants to live in my front yard when he gets older. He asked me if it's okay to put one of those trailers in our front lawn. I said, son, it's true that you were born in Arkansas. This is true. No, you're not living on my front lawn. Sorry. Liam, no, he's going to Mars. Now, we are going to put billions of dollars into reaching this unknown planet that we have not been to yet. We don't know enough about it. We are curious. We want to explore. We want to discover. What's crazy right now is that we have done more studies, spent more money, and we know more about the moon and even Mars than the bottom of our own ocean. Think about that. We have spent more money, more time, gathered more knowledge. We know more. We want to know more about what is on a distant planet than what is on our own planet. Think about that for a second. Now, this has always kind of shocked me a little bit. As a pastor, I spend a lot of time with people. And You know, it's my job to kind of help people grow and to kind of find Christ. But in the process of growing to find Christ, there's also a lot of work that gets done here, kind of inside ourselves, having to to search out ourselves. 
And the one thing I've noticed, especially spiritually, we're so willing to invest time and energy to go get all that crazy knowledge, to go get the new book that came out, to go uh, to a conference. But how much time is spent finding out what's going on in here, in the deep, right? And poetry and, and, and uh, literature, oceans have been used as kind of um, an imagery for the human soul. Like, what really takes place inside here? Right? What, what is really going on on the inside of, of us, of you? And so this morning, I think that question hits us even more interestingly. How much do you really want to know about who you are? I see no interested faces whatsoever. Everyone's like, hey, let's talk Mars again. Mars rocks. Let's go ahead and send people to Mars. I don't want to talk about my emotions or my feelings or my thoughts my experiences, my childhood. Who loves going to counseling? Anybody? No one ever? Okay, great. Now, we, we even mock counseling, right? It's, it's, it's a joke. Hey, are you going to see a shrink? Right? It's funny. But it's funny and we mock it because of one thing. What is it? We always begin to belittle things that we fear. To sit in a room with one person who's staring at us. Soul-gazing. I'm not going to soul gaze with you. You're going to beat me. Gracious. You get the idea. Their entire job is to pay attention to you, to watch your body language, hear your tone, to analyze your answers, to have someone sit there and to dive into the depths of who you are. Why does that scare us so much? Why does that scare you so much? We often have a lot of quiet moments in our sermons, but this might be the most dead silent I've heard it in months. Probably since we talked about, like, death, right? Like, which was last Sunday. <laughs> Come on, you guys got to play with me. Come on, this is good. We're talking about soul now. If you guys thought death and eternity was a scary topic, now we're talking about your own soul, right? What goes on that you hide from everyone around you? Now, put down the show for a moment. Who here likes music? Anybody? Okay. If you're really into music, okay, then you spent money on high-quality headphones. Anybody? Okay, like, like you spent over 50 bucks, headphones. Over $100 on headphones? 250 Anybody? Studio grade? Okay. Who can remember the first moment that you put on headphones that were expensive? If you think it's Bose, you're wrong. You don't know anything, you disqualified. Okay, who, the moment you put on studio-grade headphones and listened to your favorite song, do you remember what it was like? It is an it is a exciting and scary moment to realize that you had never heard your favorite song before. Seriously, right? There are sounds, there's textures, there are things in a song that you never heard. I hate that song. It's terrible. When I actually heard it. No. When you had that, that moment with those headphones, it transforms things for you. Can you ever go back to using cheap headphones? Those stupid Apple things, right? Little white ones fall out. Can you ever go back to those when you've had high quality audio experience? I'm, did you say joyfully? Oh my gosh. About the have a problem here. There is something about that experience. And so you are willing now to walk around your life with those giant 
embarrassing earmuffs, right? But it's worth it to you because there's something that you've experienced. You realize that you've never actually heard it before. We love music a lot, and so um, when there's a new album, someone will text me about it. I don't like listening to it with people around, first of all, okay? I want to be alone with the music. Secondly, I don't like listening to it if I don't have headphones or a high-quality sound system. I'll actually come to the church to play an album for the first time. I'll sit right there all by myself. Heck yeah. It's worth it, people. If you don't know, you don't know. Do you know what you don't know? No, you don't. Next Christmas, spend $250 on headphones and you will thank me. What if I told you that you actually, that you are unable to see clearly? That what you think you see, you don't actually see. I am always been old in my soul, but I'm starting to age in my body. And I am scared of this one moment. Okay, so we went to the eye doctor three years ago, and I was terrified he was going to say, hey, you need glasses. But he told me, I think you'll be fine for a few more years. It's, it's been that. It's been that, right? I am terrified that what I see right now is not what I could see, Right? but do I really want to know? Do I really want to know that what I see right now is not as good as what I could see? I don't, yeah, because you can't go back. I will wear stupid glasses. I'm just kidding. Actually, she wants me to wear glasses. She thinks I will look better with glasses. I'll look smarter though, right, if I have glasses. I am afraid that when I go in there, I'll have to have glasses and I'll never be able to go back. I'm not sure why I'm afraid of glasses. I mean, there's no logical reason to be afraid of glasses, but I'm afraid of them. I've been taught, be afraid of glasses. <laughs> so I do, I do not want to know what I don't know. I, I don't want to go in there and have them tell me, sorry, man, you think you see, but really you shouldn't be driving. You know, I, I don't want them to tell me that. What if I told you that you do not even feel clearly? Imagine your feelings as like a sense, a way of perceiving what's, what's real and not real. What if I told you that you don't even have the ability to trust your own feelings, that your feelings can lie to you? If your eyes can lie to you, if your ears can lie to you, if your sense can lie to you, what if I told you that even your feelings can lie to you? What if I told you that none of your abilities to perceive the world around you, all of your senses, exterior, interior, were trustworthy by themselves. How would you ever know that your eyes could not be trusted unless someone else next to you was able to show you that? To prove it to you that what you're seeing is not what you could be seeing, that you're seeing the wrong things. Because I can tell you for sure, you can't argue with me, I know that that is a black dot. I know it. I know it's a black I look at it, it's a black dot. Don't argue with me. That's a stoplight, Devin. And it's red. Do you not see the red? No. Whenever I teach uh, Bible classes, I'll have people get so angry. They no, that is not what the Bible says. No. Has nothing to do with the Scriptures. Has nothing to do with exegesis. Because that's boring to everybody, right? It's kind of like figuring out those Rubik's Cubes, Right? has nothing to do with scripture or with doctrine or theology, has everything to do with perception. 
Has everything to do with what I, I know that's a black dot? Don't tell me I need glasses. I'm terrified of that. I do not want to know what I what? Don't know. The biggest obstacle of Grace Church for every single one of us in this room is that all that we do here is challenge what you see, what you think you know, what you think you feel. Because everything that we're trying to do is show you what is really in front of you. And I don't care if that stupid doctor has that fancy machine. All right, how about now? How about now? I don't care if you went to school for that or not. I don't need that machine to know that that's a black dot. How stupid is that? Still, I'm, yeah, it's pretty stupid. I am not going to leave here to go schedule my eye appointment. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because <laughs> I'm ignorant and stupid. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot, right. Because I am not willing to know the things I don't know yet. I'm not there yet. So we're using this passage from the book of Acts this morning where we see Saul of Tarsus, he's on the road. His entire life has been spent learning, growing, and maturing in the Scriptures to be a servant of God. And he has this, this experience along the way. And in this experience, he experiences something internally and externally. Internally, he has an encounter with this God he has not known before. Right? Externally, a symbol of that is what happens to him. He does what? He loses his... His what? His sight, right? He's blinded. And even what happens is we, we get this, this kind of a detail that whenever these, these, this blindness is removed, there is, is almost like an imagery of scales falling off his eyes. Think of it, it's almost like snake skin, right? Scales begin to fall off of his eyes. And so in this moment, I feel like this story is one of the most clear descriptions of what happens when we encounter Jesus, what it looks like, Okay? To grow spiritually. Because what happens for us in this process with God is that we have to begin to find out what is real and what's not. We start with our sight. And what I thought, when I thought I was seeing clearly, I thought I was 2020. Is it 1818 is like the best? Is that what it is? 1818? I always get it wrong. I mean, anyone gonna help me? I see glasses. You guys should know the answer, right? Is 1818 better or 2020? 20? I heard a bunch of numbers. <laughs> that was not, okay, there was not agreement there. Okay, I'm just going to say 2020 because it's a safe answer, right? If I assume that I have 2020, the first thing that happens with Christ is that I'm shown that what I'm seeing is not perfect vision. My eyesight is adjusted. What I always knew was the voice of God. I, I know what God's saying to me. Trust me, I know. I don't need your help. I, I know. I've been praying for 20 years, 30 years, 60 years. I know what God sounds like. I know what God tells me to do. He's told me it's okay to hate that person. I know. It's okay. Wait. And Jesus begins to tune our ears in. Maybe that sound I was hearing was a little bit of Jesus, but maybe it was a lot of, of me or of other people. We begin to tune in our emotions. We begin to tune in our perception of, of feeling, of experience. Maybe all those feelings I thought, whenever I was always taught that when I feel that fear, I should run away. But maybe that, that fear was 
was wrong. Maybe my emotions were, were off. Maybe they need to be adjusted. Maybe those things that I ran away from are things I should have ran to. Maybe those things I used to run to are things I should run away from. There's an adjustment that takes place. And so the image we see of Saul is a physical experience. It's a picture of what spiritual maturity looks like for you. Because see, one of the greatest lies that we all believe is that we have become who we are today all by ourselves. Do you hear that? One of the greatest lies that we all believe today is that we have become who we are all by ourselves. Who here, okay, what topping is best on rice? Anybody? Soy sauce? What else? What? Beans? Who said beans? Awesome. Oh, oh yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, beans, yep. Okay. Uh, who said butter? Butter and sugar. Okay, it's a salad. I was waiting for butter and sugar. By the way, I'd never heard of that in my life until I moved down here. Butter and sugar? This is Asian food, people. What are you doing? <laughs> Asian Southern fusion, I guess, right? Sexy sauce. I mean, who can argue with sexy sauce? It's yum yum sauce. No, I'm just kidding. Same thing, right? <laughs> well, we all know that's the right answer. Would you like to guess what I know is the best topping for rice? Salsa and ranch dressing. Man. No. It might be. Mayonnaise. 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 See, we're about to have an uprising here. <laughs> Would you like to know why I believe that? Because I was taught that. I was taught that. I grew up in a home where I was fed this and told that is good. <laughs> was I born from the womb thinking, oh, I want mayonnaise on my rice. That's what I want. Heck no. Who eats grit, uh, grits? Grits. Okay. You've been brainwashed. <laughs> no one not from here eats grits, right? But you grew up in an environment where people say, hey, eat this mush. Eat this. It looks like boogers, tastes like boogers, but guess what? It's good. Just put a little salt on it. <laughs> Amen. Amen, brother. You get the point. So much of who you think you are today has been poured into you. From other voices, other places, experiences, parents, friends, mentors, environments, radio, commercials, TV. You are a product of everything that you've taken in. Now there's an element somewhere in this stew that is you, right? There's an element of something that's always been there, right? When you were first born... There isn't the chance yet for you to be influenced, unless you're one of our kids. Our kids grew up hearing the same albums over and over again in the car whenever she would drive to work. And when they would get older, Jude had a, a magic song. When he would cry, we would play this one song, and it would start with one piano note, Ding! and he would go silent every time. It was not Kanye. <laughs> was it Kanye. There's something in the middle of this stew, right? Of all of our experiences and what people have told us and the good experiences, the bad. 
the schools we've gone to, the books we've read, the stories we've heard, there's something in the middle of this which is us, which we did start out with. And it's mixed with all these things. There was something about Saul which was Saul. Like, there was something in him that wasn't going to change. But there were other things in him that had to change. And when we come to Christ, as we grow spiritually, spiritual growth always takes us to a place of self-discovery, meaning having to dive into the depths of who we are to find out who we actually are. It looks like this. It looks like starting on the surface and beginning to peel back. Okay, so here's the things that I think I know. Here's what I thought was real. Here's what I used to know for sure. Here's what I used to think. Here's who I used to think I was. And you begin to peel back the layers to yourself. Layer by layer by layer. There's a word for this, this process in the Scriptures. Death. The word for this is death. I was talking to Nisa uh, this week about baptism. And we're talking about the different steps of baptism. And I always love talking about these ceremonies because they're so rich. And the reason that we take you into the water, right? What kind of imagery happens to someone when they begin to be dropped down low, right? The grave, right? We are gently laying you into the grave. The person who you were before you touched the water is not going to come out of that water. It's the connection to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And there is a truth to being a Christian that we are going to allow parts of ourselves to die. Because only if those parts of ourselves die can that life of Christ come out of us. Only if I let what I thought I could see clearly go can I begin to actually see clearly. Only when I allow myself to know, to want to know that my emotions might be wrong, the things I think I thought might not be clear, that the thoughts that I used to hold, that the ideas and the, the doctrines I used to know that I knew that I knew, maybe I don't know those things. Maybe that voice that I always knew was God, maybe it might be God, maybe it might not. There's a process of slow death that we go through as Christians. This is what it looks like to begin to take the deep dive, right? For you to explore the depths of this ocean, you have to find a way to put up with all the elements. The deeper you go, you have to begin to find new ways to see because there's no light at the bottom, right? You have to begin to find new ways to, to see, to perceive. The pressure as you go deeper into the ocean increases. You have to find ways to, to resist that pressure that wants to just kind of crumple you up. There are new dangers in the bottoms, right? If you ever notice, uh, the, like the book of Job and the imagery in the Old Testament, all the monsters come from the what? The sea. All the monsters come from the sea. Because we've always been terrified of the places that we don't want to go. The places that we're not willing to explore. Surely all the evil is down in there. And see, most of the the Christian tradition in the last hundred years has made a huge cardinal sin. We have taught you how to ignore the things you think, to push away all the things that you feel, and to convince yourself that you are already connected to God. That you already have everything you need. 
But the scriptures tell us otherwise. At the moment that we encounter God the way that Saul does, the moment we come face to face with God instantly, there should be a death to the world that we thought we knew. So drastic that there had to be a name change. So drastic that this, that this, this entire identity of this person is going to shift. You are now a new person. There's a part of you that was always who you were. But there's an entire shell of you that we're going to pull off. You spend the majority of your life with a mask on. This would be a fun game. Turn to the person next to you. Imagine what kind of mask they're wearing. Like, what's it look like? Like a spooky, like a, like a Halloween mask? Or Everyone's like, I'm not playing that game. Okay. Like a clown mask? Something fun, you know, entertaining? What mask are they wearing? And even more scary, what do they look like when the mask is off? Even you guys who are married, even you, you people who have like best friends for life, they don't even know everything about you. And here's why, because you don't. You do not know who you are yet. One of the, the secrets of growing with Christ is that so much of the experience with God is not out there. It's to be had in here. As you begin to let God take you deeper and deeper into all of who He really made you to be, This is where all the action is, guys. This is where, this is where all takes place. And so, uh, have you guys ever heard that, that phrase, uh, a self-made man? You guys ever heard that? I'm a self-made man, you know. This is one of the biggest lies you've ever heard in your entire life, right? It's, it's a terrible fallacy, right? It's very chauvinistic as well, right? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. It just doesn't sound quite the same, right? It's a terrible phrase. We need to throw it away with a new one, right? There's, this entire concept is a lie. The older that you get, okay, the older that we get, the farther it is that, that we get from our true self. So if I said this, if natural maturing takes us farther away from our true self, so just picture this. From the moment we're born, we are, we are being pulled away from who we actually are, right? One of the things that I have to be very careful of with my kids is to not attack the things that make them who they are, even if it makes me uncomfortable. I use Liam so much as examples because he and I are, are so different than each other. And so he helps me see this clearer than, than my other kids. And with Liam, who he really is is so much more than I can handle. I'm being honest. He makes me uncomfortable in all the best ways. He, he, he has the ability to be loud and big and to dream and to be joyful I don't joy is not an emotion I'm connected to often I don't understand that emotion very well but he does he speaks the language he's an encourager <laughs> he comes in the morning first thing he does in the morning he'll come up and he'll hug us and he'll start to encourage us you're the best daddy in the whole wide world you are dad you're the best I'm like son I won't go to bed get off me <laughs> I have to be very careful because I understand because I've, gone, I've allowed God to take me through this process. I know that I have the ability to begin to chip away at who he really is, to begin to teach him to hide his true self, to begin to put masks on, right? Jude is this inquisitive. I mean, this kid will wear you down with questions. It's too much. He wants to know everything about everything, and he feels safe when he has all the information, when he, when he has all of the info. And I just get tired of it. And so I catch myself in the car saying, Jude, 
no more questions. Stop. And I go, oh, keep going, keep going. Okay, we're going to take a five-minute break, write your questions down, and then we're going to do it again. Because there are parts of all of you that you have lost, right, that have been hidden from you. Maybe it was from the experiences with, with friends, with family, with, with parents even, co-workers, school, coaches. Every single person who we come in contact with has the ability to pull out who we are or to teach us to hide who we are. Sit with that for a moment. One of the biggest things I try to do as a pastor is to, when I sit with people, Try to, to create an environment where they feel comfortable being who they really are. It's one of the hardest things to do. Because all of us are used to creating worlds that make us comfortable. And when we do this, we're actually creating worlds that make someone else uncomfortable. Right? There, is, there are parts of you that you have not seen in years. Parts of you that are hidden from you. How about this? I encourage you guys to go back and watch childhood videos of yourself. If your parents have old, like, tapes of you, when you watch it, there will be parts of you that you still have, and then there will be things that you see yourself doing, and you go, oh my goodness. You won't believe this. When I was a child, I used to actually be loud and run around. Occasionally. <laughs> I used to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Every once in a while. When it was appropriate. No. You will see things in yourself that you don't have anymore. Things that, that everything around you is taught to hide. If growing up in this natural world, okay, adulting, right? If that takes you away from your true self, then here's this. Spiritual maturity does the opposite. Spiritual maturity will teach you to come back. Spiritual maturity always leads us back to a childlikeness. About four or five years in, when I, I was very serious about God, I, again, I, I, I've always taken God very seriously. But I was, I was in, intentional. I was wanting God to grow me and to, uh, uh, to encounter me, change me. Somewhere around that mark, I realized what God was doing. I realized where he was taking me, where this journey was heading. I realized it was taking me back to this place I didn't necessarily want to go. To be childlike, if you want a definition, to be childlike is to be movable, meaning to be able to be affected, right? You, you are moved by everything. Your child can go from absolute joy and ecstasy to terror or, you know, or anger and rage on the floor kicking and screaming, right? It's like instant. Rachel's the best at that, right? She's happy and she loves you and then she does not love you anymore. And she will tell you, no, no, get away, bad daddy. You know, like, whoa, it's been two seconds, right? When they are, when they, when they feel sad emotions, they are quick to tears. When they, see, when they feel, when they experience joy or happiness, they are quick to jump, to dance, to, to yell, to shout, right? They're movable. They, they, they haven't learned yet to put up the walls that life demands of us. As you grow spiritually, well, here's a sign for you. 
you are growing up spiritually, truly growing. I'm not just talking about reading your Bible and praying. I mean, you're actually going somewhere with God if you find yourself becoming more and more childlike. Meaning, more and more willing to feel, to express yourself, to share things. More and more willing to enjoy life, to play. More and more willing to let go of worry and fear. More and more willing to dream dreams and to imagine things. I mean, that's a scary thing. Depending on the season of life that you're at, you've been told it, you aren't able to dream anymore. Hey, you have to get a job, you have a family. Or hey, you're too old to dream dreams anymore. I always thought that growing spiritually was learning to control my emotions. I'm going to, I do not have to feel anger towards you ever. I'm never mad at you. I love you like Jesus does. And he has a Superman voice. <laughs> but no, I've learned that to love you the way that Christ does is to be vulnerable. To be in a place where you can actually hurt my feelings. Imagine that. Where I could actually allow myself to put expectations into, to lean on someone, to, to trust someone. I could share highs and lows. I could even share joy with someone. I could share joy and uh, sadness. We see a picture in the scriptures where it tells us that one of the things we're commanded to do is to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Man, to be able to be in the moment with someone fully experiencing what they're going through. That's a terrifying thing for most of us in this room. And so I just want to leave us with this. Growing in Christ will always take us to a place of having to dive deep in here. You can go to all the conferences in the world, read all the books, do all the podcasts. You can come to the church services. You will be stunted. You will find yourself unable to go any further. I find this all the time with people. Man, I used to really be growing, growing, and then I just, I just couldn't feel anymore. I just, I just felt, I just couldn't. The books wouldn't do it. The, the conference wouldn't do it. The music that used to work wouldn't do it. I just couldn't go any further. That's because you weren't willing to go the place that the path was going to take you. The journey always takes us in here. You might want to go to Mars, but you need to go <laughs> for a swim first. Would you guys stand with me? So as I said before, one of the hardest things about Grace Church is that we are, just, we are designed for this one thing. We are designed specifically to take us in those places we do not want to go to help us to dive in those places that we're uncomfortable going to. And so one of the things we're going to end up doing, we're going to have a, a series of classes. We're going to call it the spiritual formation track. Basically, the classes won't do it, but it's, the classes will put you in an environment with people who can guide you there. We're going to teach you how to go deep because the hardest thing about it is we don't really even know how to go in. I don't know how. To, I mean, I don't have the ability to tell you what my eyesight really is. I need that machine. How about now? So we're going to have one of those when you come in. We're going to have it set up. We're going to have a chart. So I encourage you to just kind of be in a prayer about that. Are you, are you ready? Do you want to know what you don't know? Do you really want to go farther with God? Do you, are you willing to be told what you're seeing might not really be what's that? Maybe you shouldn't trust those things. Maybe there's more to what you've seen, heard, and experienced. There's, there's more there.